Praise the Lord. This is Pastor Johnson from Bethel Lady Church. Thank you for downloading our podcast. We are so glad we could connect with you through this podcast. Please ensure you subscribe to receive new messages every week. We pray this podcast builds your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and motivates you to live a life of excellence for the glory of our Lord. Thank you for your support. Enjoy the message. We were studying about the word fear. I've titled today's message uh, as God put in my heart, uh, fear zone to faith zone. How I prepare my messages, I pray and I ask the Lord, what does he want to speak? And uh, what he puts in my heart, I write down. And usually I do that one year in advance uh, because God knows the future. And when you ask him, he will tell. And I like to plan things, you know. How do you move from fear zone to faith zone? And it's pretty easy. It's not difficult at all. If you study the Bible, Jesus our Lord made it candid clear that following Jesus is easy. Now many preachers uh, from a good heart with a good intention, many Bible scholars will make you feel that following Jesus is very difficult. You know, the devil is there to really trap you and all that. And I think they are right in the sense of what they are saying. But then I'm also reminded that you shouldn't forget what the Lord Jesus said. The Lord Jesus said, following him is very easy. You know why? He said this. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light compared to everything else. So following the Lord is difficult only for those whose intention is not following the Lord. For people who want to follow the Lord for personal benefits, for personal success, for something else, for them it might be very difficult. But for people who love the Lord Jesus and who want to follow Jesus, it's very easy because you also have the Holy Spirit empowering you. You know, when our desire and motive is clear, everything becomes easy. I, before I became a pastor, I dreaded being a pastor. I didn't mind being a wrestler, but being a pastor, man, because in wrestling, at least you can hit the fellow you don't like. But in a pastoring, you can't do that also. You have to love the people you don't like. It's a pretty difficult job, I thought. But over a period of time, as my motives became clear, as my intentions were purified, pastoral job became so easy because end of the day, it, the definition of a pastoral job became the motive of my heart and life and everything became easy. You know what? When our motives are easy, when our intentions are clear and when we know how to move forward from the scripture, it becomes easy to move out of fear into faith. That's why David, I think it was, who said in Psalm 119, Thy word, O God, is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my path. I don't want to live by any other light. I want to live by only your holy light, O God. Now, the Bible gives a beautiful story about what happened in the times uh, where judges ruled the uh, Israel. So Israel was a country which was theocratic. Today you talk about Islamic nations that uh, claim to be theocratic. But uh, Israel today is not theocratic. Today Israel is Doreknesset uh, and all of that, or Neset, however they pronounce that. It's more like a democratic country. But after God had called Abraham, then they became a nation under this guy called Moses, right? The prophet Moses. They always were a theocratic country. Whatever God spoke is how they lived. They had a set of law which was given by God for them. Prophets ruled. But there came a season after Joshua that there were no such prophets or leaders to rule. So God raised 
judges. And it's after that God raised again prophets and the time of Samuel had come and Saul the king came and Israel became a kingdom. And then from that kingdom, they were destroyed 2000 years ago and they were spread around the earth because Romans destroyed their kingdom completely. And uh, they also had a civil war in Israel between two tribes and the remaining 10 tribes. And they had Samaria as one headquarters, Jerusalem as another headquarters. Judah became the prominent tribe and Judaism or Jewish community eventually developed out of Israel from that thing. And 2000 years later, in 1947, the Jewish people from around the world came back to their property, which God had given to Father Abraham. And they declared themselves as a nation in 1948. You know, United Nations finally approved them as a nation under the first Prime Minister Ben-Gurion of Israel. Why did I say all this story? Because there is one prophetic link there, that in these last days, God would make Israel a nation again. And that was a sign that soon after that, the Lord Jesus would return. Ah, that's why I said the whole thing. So Israel is like a timepiece. Um, it's like a, a timepiece alarm in, on the table of God. It's more like an indicator of how when you study the Bible prophecies. Now, fear is one wrong response. Many people, when you hear end times, when you hear Jesus is going to come, they are afraid. Why? Oh, I couldn't marry. Oh, I couldn't have a baby. Oh, I couldn't have a, you know, I couldn't have a, build a house. I remember in my childhood, somebody told me they're going to give me a dog. So I was so happy to have a dog. Okay. And then my brother told me, but what's the point? By the time they give you a dog, it's going to be a few months. By then the Lord Jesus will come. So I remember that night praying, Jesus, I love you so much and I want to see you, but if you don't mind, can you delay your plan a little bit? Because first I want to have the dog. If you don't mind, I need the dog. Sometimes we pray stupid, sincere prayers, but anyway, God is faithful, right? He's a merciful God who doesn't hold us to task for loving the dog more than his coming. We all can respond either in fear or in faith. And in every concept of our life, we must choose to respond out of faith and not out of fear. The Bible says Israel in the time of judges, where there were no prophets and there were no kings. And it was not a democratic law. God was raising people. And Midianites began to come and oppress them. Midianites would oppress Israelites for about seven years. Amalekites joined the Midianites to oppress Israel for about seven years. And then how did they oppress? Israelites would sow seed to reap a harvest. But by the time harvest comes, the Midianites will come, you know, they're hefty big guys, they're larger in number, they're like the mafia of the area. They'll beat up the Israelites and they will take the harvest and they'll go away. And Israelites were scared to fight back and they were running into the caves on the mountains and they were beginning to live uh, in the edges of the society, you know, on the peripherals. They, they were worried and Amalekites were another group. They never bothered about uh, taking the harvest and all. For them, destroying Israel was important. And so what they would do is they would just come and wherever Israel was trying to build a house, they would break it down. They will destroy the vineyards. They will break down the plantations. So Israel for seven years, their career was destroyed, their employment opportunities was destroyed, their economy went down, they had no defense mechanism, they were being insulted, their villages were getting pillaged, their children were getting enslaved by being kidnapped and abducted. So it was a bad time. 
When economy got hit, when their livelihood got hit, they began to call on God. Is it true that in Bangalore also it's like that? That when people lose their job, they pray more? That when there is a sickness, they kind of look to God more? I guess it's very similar, right? Human behavior around the world is sort of similar. And the Bible says, after seven years, they began to cry out to God saying, God, why are you doing this to us? Please help us. Actually, God was not doing it to them. It is something that happened to them as a natural result of human sin. You see, many times it's not God punishing. It is just the result of wrong lifestyle. It's just the result of wrong thinking. It need not be God coming and punishing each and every time. Anyway, you see in Judges chapter 6 and verse number 10, God answered them and said to them, I am the Lord your God and I told you, do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. The operational word there is the word you have feared. I told you not to fear, but you have feared. That's the verb in that whole passage that is of operation and function here. You have feared. I told you not to fear. Why you shouldn't fear? Because I am with you. When I am with you, you have nothing to fear because I'm able to take care of everything. There is nothing that is too hard for me. I am able to handle every situation of your life. But if you choose to disrespect my presence and still believe and still think that, you know, I can't do anything for you, that fear invites demonic. That fear invites evil. That fear is prophetic. So God said to them, you're under oppression because I commanded you not to fear, but you specifically feared the gods of the Amorites. What were they? They, they were people who believed in astrology, you know, that if you're born in a bad time, then your life is going to be cursed. If the lines on your hands are not good, then you're doomed. If your horoscope was bad, then you're... They believed in so many superstitions. And Israelites, you know, living with them, having Facebook accounts with them, being on the WhatsApp group with them, I'm bringing a modern analogy for an old thing that didn't exist, but, you know, kind of living with them, they absorbed that culture and began to fear all these practices. They began to fear all these non-scientific belief systems which are actually in opposition to God's holy word. By name, they were covenant children of Abraham in covenant with God of Israel. But in practice, they were people in their heart who feared what the Amorites feared. And therefore, what spirit was controlling Amorites began to attack Israel. I want to say this, your know, fear of planetary influences, the evil spirits, observances of times, seasons or colors, positions, which are not based on science, but simply beliefs which are outside the Bible are not required, are not acceptable to a child of God. You know, you don't insult others, but you don't practice what others practice. You know, the other extreme is sometimes God's children go around mocking others. And I think that is so wrong. We are not called to be mockers. We are called to be people who are gentle in spirit and honor God Almighty. But however, we also ought to be careful that we don't practice the fears that others practice. Do you check your horoscope more than checking the Bible? Because your future is not on the last page of the newspaper. Your future is not tied to some planet out there. Your future is tied to God who made those planets. 
<laughs> Your future is tied to God who made those stars. Somebody shout an amen. So at, at that time, there is this guy called Gideon. I love this chap, Gideon. And uh, let's just read that scripture and then we will run through it. Verse 12 to 14. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto Gideon and said unto him, The Lord is with thee. Shall we read that together? The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto that angel, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, then why is all this happening to us? And where be all the miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him. Wow. Let's read that together one more time. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Wow. What's the passage? So Gideon is a young Israelite who doesn't want Midian to spoil and take away the harvest. He doesn't want Amalekites to steal or Amorites to steal his harvest. So what he does, he's hiding but taking care of what he has. Let's all say that word together, hiding. Why does someone hide? Because they're afraid. That's why they don't want to be seen. They are hiding because he's afraid. But look at how the angel comes to him and says to him, Thou mighty man of Vela. I'm sure Gideon looked around saying, who are you talking to, angel? Huh? And, and look at that line there. Let's read that verse. And the angel of the Lord appeared. You see the word appeared there? Why? Thank you. Why does the Bible use the word appeared there? Because the angels of God are always with God's children. Only thing, you don't get to see them always. But there are some times that they appear and say, hey, I'm with you. Don't you think you're fighting life's battle alone? Even if the angel of God doesn't appear to you, you can be sure today when you go back on that bike to your house, you are not going alone. There are angels watching over you. Psalm 91, the Bible says, and he will command his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. But angels, you know what? They look out for signboards. When the corporation signboard says 40 kilometers per hour and you're going at 60, angels may be behind you because they follow rules, all right? I, now, this is not like as if I know everything about angels, but I'm just saying it's important to keep rules of the society and not just think that angels are there and do every other thing that the devil may inspire you to do. Right? So, yes, angels are with each one of us. Amen? Angels are with each one of us, watching over us, taking care of us. But an angel appeared. He was always there with Gideon, but he appeared and said to Gideon, the Lord is with you. And Gideon is looking around saying, who are you talking to? I'm not a mighty man of Vela. I'm hiding here, angel. How did you find me? The angel says, the Lord is with you. You are a mighty man of Vela and you're going to win. Gideon turns around and tells the angel, excuse me, angel. The Lord is not with me. You know why? Because if the Lord was with me, these things cannot happen. An enemy cannot rule over me when God is with me. When God is with me, this bondage cannot control me. 
When God is with me, the enemy cannot subdue me because my God is bigger. He's not just a joke. He's not just a philosophy. He's not just an idea. He's not just the words of a song I sing. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. And if he is with me, my life cannot be like this. He said to the angel, go give your motivational message to someone else. But for me, I have an opinion of who God is. I have a perspective. I have a paradigm on who God is. If God is with me, this cannot be my condition. The angel of God looked at him. I like that word. You know, even though the Bible says looked at him, it actually means he looked into him and said, this might. Everyone say with me, this might. What is the might? Not the might of hiding, but the vision and the heart that if God is with me, I will not be in this condition. I will be more than an overcomer. And the angel said, with this might, you will defeat. You know what, friends? You and I are going to defeat the powers of the world that come against you, not in the boost and bonvita power, not in the bank balance power, not in the friendship and influence you have, but in the relationship you have with God Almighty and the call He has put on you. You are going to go in this might and be an overcomer in the name of Jesus. Somebody flex your hand muscles and give the Lord a hand of praise and say, Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Go in this thy might because he believed God cannot be with him and tolerate such slavery of God's people. He had the right perspective of God's holy presence. Second, because he believed God cannot be with him and allowed such defeats in his life. Third, he believed God cannot be with him and he continued to live in such poverty and insecurity because he believed God cannot be with him and not help him overcome the enemies. Though Israel's men of war were untrained. Number five, because he believed that if God was with him, what God did for Israel in the past, he was able to do even today because his God he knew is the same yesterday, today and forever. Eventually you will find this guy Gideon beginning to talk to God instead of just talking to the angel. And he began to ask God questions saying, can you give me a sign? Can you give me another sign? God is not angry with you when you ask for signs. God is not angry with you when you ask questions. And he will answer you. God only does not answer when you ask questions because you want to doubt him. Because you, you're not really keen on believing him. And then when you ask questions, he's not bothered to answer. But for those who want to strengthen their faith, that's why the Bible says you will find him when you seek him with all your heart. When you seek God with some of your heart, you may not find him. But when you seek him with all of your heart, you will find him. And that's what happened to Gideon. The Bible says, and he believed God with all his heart. Amen. And uh, he began to ask God questions and God began to strengthen his faith and answer his questions. Then he called for an army. Of course, you know now, the way I'm preaching, you know that I'm, I'm squeezing it about, I don't know, was it 20, 30 years of history? So he called for an army as God guided him. So Gideon says, guys, we're going to go to fight with Midian. You know, when the leader has a vision, the people behind him also get strengthened. So he stands up, blows the trumpet, about uh, 33,000 people or something join him. Okay, they're ready to go for war with Midian. Midianites and Amorites are in lakhs, hundreds of thousands. These guys are just 30,000, 40,000 people. 
God says to Gideon, too big a crowd, I can't handle this. <laughs> sometimes God likes to work with small numbers. Not always, sometimes. So God says, Gideon says, what can I do? I gave altar call, all came. Now God says, do one thing, just make one announcement. Say all who are afraid and have fear, go back. So now these are men of war who have come to fight. Huh? So Gideon stands up and says, brothers, I have a revelation from God. All who have got fear, please go back home. You know how many went back? 22,000. Can you believe this? At least they were honest. 22,000 went back. You know, when fear left the camp, they already actually had spiritual victory. You need to move from fear zone into faith zone. All the elements of fear went out of the army. They were left with about 10,000 people. And then God says, this is also too much. So he says, all right, bring everyone by the brook and tell them to drink water. And 300 people who drank water in a certain way, God said, separate them. Now, it's not like if you drink water, like how they drank your spiritual and all that. <laughs> Nothing like that. You know, it's, it's just that for that particular time, God used that as a method to identify 300 people. Okay, it's not like as if drinking water like that will make you a warrior and if you drink water in another way, then uh, you are not a warrior and all. There are people who make such doctrines, but that's not true. That's not what the Bible meant there. So 300 people who drank water from the brook in a certain way. By the way, in Bangalore, please don't drink water from any brook, right? From the tap itself is dangerous. Then talk about brook, man. If you drink from brook in Bangalore, you will soon be in glory, Right? So we leave that part. <laughs> One, re okay, no, no time for jokes. So what happens is uh, Israel are left with, Gideon is left with 300 people to fight lakhs of people, 300 people. <laughs> you know, when God chooses to fight with you, actually God wants a small number who won't interfere. He'll take care of the fight. God says to Gideon, you 300 is enough, you manage them. Just tell them to do what I tell you. So Gideon tells them, brothers, we are going to fight. We'll do what God says. Three things God told them. And the fourth was a proclamation. Number one, carry jars with fire in it. Break the jar, light up the fire when I tell you. Number three, blow the trumpet. When you do three things, blowing trumpets, broken jars, and batons that are aflame. Blowing trumpets, broken jars and batons that are aflame. I believe this morning God wants you and me to be that. Blowing trumpets, confessions of faith. Broken jars, people that are willing to be broken in the hands of God. And people whose batons are aflame with the anointing. And they began to shout, the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. Sword of the Lord, which means God is at work. Sword of Gideon means we are in tune with our leader. If you want to be blessed, make it a point in your life that you will never speak against your spiritual leadership, not even in secret. It's a simple principle of God's word. When you go out there in your spiritual life, of course your leaders are human and they will make mistakes like you make mistakes. Right? There is no perfect man on earth except the Lord Jesus. Everyone else has a mistake. But when you go out there to the spiritual battle, when you're facing life's difficulties, remember, 
criticism and an attitude of negativity against spiritual leadership will weaken your own spiritual battle. It will weaken God's promises for your own spiritual life. And the Bible says, this guy picked up 300 people who had broken jars, blowing trumpets and burning aflame batons. And they began to shout, the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon, their leader. And in a few hours, the enemy camp were defeated and Israel began to prosper and live in victory. Close your eyes and say, Lord, my heart is committed to you. I know my life, when it's broken in your hand, it's going to multiply and increase. I want to keep that anointing of flame in my heart, oh God. And I don't want to blow negativity. I don't want to blow evil. I want to blow trumpet of your anointing. I want to blow trumpet of your faith. And I know this Amalekite, this Amorite, this enemy that is visible or invisible, this habit, this culture, this sin that so besets me easily, I'm going to win over in the name of Jesus. I'm going to win over by your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, that you're moving me out of fear into faith. Hallelujah. Let's do five scriptures before we pray. Let's read it out loud. I've written down five scriptures for us to read together. Psalm 27, 1. Shall we all read it as a confession of faith? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him and delivers them. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And the last one, 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, even as we read these scriptures by faith, we pray that all what we heard from your word will become a practice in our life, will become a culture in our life, and we will walk in the purity of your word. Hallelujah. Help us to live not in fear, but in wisdom, in love, in intelligence, being led by your Holy Spirit and in the faith of your word. Thank you for your holy hand on us. Lord, protect your children every step of the way. In Jesus' name we pray and the people said, Amen. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. I believe that you are blessed. Please connect with us for prayer or counseling. Please do call us or visit our website or visit us. The details are given in the description. We'll be glad to serve you. Do subscribe so you can receive the latest podcast to encourage you in your journey in Christ. Please do share it with your friends too by clicking the share button. We are praying for you. God has great plans for your life. Thanks again for participating, listening. God bless you.